why don't our people just do what we tell them to do? Why, why do we have to go through all of this, you know, create a healthy culture? Why don't people just do what I tell them to do? I believe that, you know, for leaders, their first flock is their employees. And if the employees are effectively being shepherded, the ministry will grow because, because more people will be effectively doing the work of the ministry. Al Lopez is the co-founder and current board chair at Best Christian Workplaces. For over 20 years, BCW has conducted some of the broadest ever employee opinion surveys of Christian workers. Al is a recognized author, speaker, and consultant helping Christian leaders and organizations flourish. ECFA President Michael Martin sits down with Al and talks about how leadership integrity is a foundation to a flourishing culture, how the results of the surveys over the years point to leaders caring, serving, shepherding their employees. Stick around, you won't want to miss out on these insights. Find flourishing as a workplace where employees are fully engaged, working with passion, they feel a profound connection to their mission, they they drive innovation, they move the organization forward. I mean, that's that's when uh, when things are really flourishing. Well, it is my privilege today to get to welcome to the podcast Al Lopez, the founder uh, and current board chair of Best Christian Workplaces, author of the Road to Flourishing. Uh, there's many, many things I could go on to say about Al, but I think also importantly, uh, really a friend and a partner in ministry, mm-hmm. shares so much of the heartbeat of ECFA. Al, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great, Michael, and what a pleasure it is to be with you. This is uh, this is really a pleasure. I look forward to our conversation. And uh, again, I just can't say enough about ECFA and, and again, our, as you say, our partnership. Uh, I appreciate so much uh, the financial accountability that that you help bring uh, Christian workplaces, Christian organizations, and uh, uh, I think of us as uh, sister organizations. As uh, you help bring financial accountability, we help bring people accountability. The kingdom is better uh, as we uh, as we serve many of the same organizations. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I know I'm, I'm excited to dive into our conversation about yeah. how we've been having a series of conversations here around healthy leadership mm-hmm. and the importance of that uh, in terms of ECFA's mission of enhancing trust. But also, Al, I, I so look forward to the insights that you'll bring uh, from the standpoint of best Christian mm-hmm. workplaces and how healthy leadership is mm-hmm. is really critical to a flourishing culture. But before we get there, hey, I got to take the opportunity to congratulate you too on uh, best Christian workplaces in your own, your ECFA accreditation. We're so proud of that milestone for you. Well, it was uh, really time for us. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, we we went through the process. And, you know, I think it's an important step in any Christian nonprofit journey. Uh, and it was a great exercise for us. You know, we thought the process was rigorous. It was well done. It was helpful. It was encouraging. You know, I really, really appreciate that time and effort of your team on our behalf. And we've done some things differently as a result of, of your suggestions and, and improved of what we do. So, Michael, uh, uh, and to the listeners, I encourage everybody to get a, a accreditation, and, and it was really helpful for us. And let me also say, I'm going to turn this around and say congratulations again on being a certified <laughs> in flourishing Best Christian Workplace. Uh, 
I love your mission of financial accountability, and we, we appreciate so much the work that uh, that you do to make ECFA a great workplace as you then serve uh, uh, other ministries and organizations uh, from a financial perspective. Well, thank you. I was going to have to jump in if you went too far and say, hey, who's, <laughs> you know, who's hosting the podcast? No, I'm, I'm just kidding, but... <laughs> I appreciate that. And that is something we, we really value, you know, here at ECFA. I think it's appropriate. I mean, this is the behind the seal podcast. Mm-hmm. We go behind the scenes of mm-hmm. ECFA. And that is something that is just even so critical, uh, a high pr- priority for us internally uh, <laughs> is making sure that we have a God honoring, a flourishing yeah. team culture for all the reasons, mm-hmm. you know, that you all promote at Best Christian Workplaces. And you've been a gift to us. I think of the, uh, the scripture, scripture, Al, of of iron sharpening iron, mm-hmm. and I think that that is what very much our relationship is is like uh, between our two organizations, but also those we serve. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Well, yeah, let's jump into uh, you know you and I have had a lot of conversations to sort of uh, off screen, if you will, uh, just around this topic of healthy leadership and. And Al, you've you've seen so much, but I think laying the fa- the foundation a little bit, just even in terms of a uh, a flourishing culture. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned that flourishing workplace culture earlier. Um, I guess a, a, an initial question for you, Al, is even in Christian ministry, why should we care about having a flourishing workplace culture? Isn't that something that's just secular speak, or is this left to organizations that are not Christian workplaces? Why, why do we need to that's a, even prioritize this? Yeah, Michael, that's a, a great question and and burns in my heart, uh, you know, the, the answer to that question. You know, recently I heard a couple of middle managers uh, say that their top leader said to them directly, now they wouldn't say it to me, but they said it to their, uh, their top leader said it to them, why don't our people just do what we tell them to do? Why, why do we have to go through all of this, you know, create a healthy culture? Why don't people just do what I tell them to do? And uh, I, you know, I'm convicted by the passage, 1 Peter 5, 2, as one of, a, one of the ones that come back to me where Peter is telling leaders to shepherd the flock that God's entrusted to them. Yeah. Uh, and in another translation, uh, to shepherd the flock under their care. And watching them over and over, not because you must, because you're willing, eager to serve, not for dishonest gain, not lording it over them, uh, but uh, by being examples of, uh, of Christian love and care. And, you know, I believe Peter's passing forward the message that he got from Jesus on breakfast, the, the breakfast on the beach after the resurrection, you know, where Jesus asked him those, the same question yeah. three times, do you love me? And what's... Uh, uh, what was uh, after Peter said, "Yes, Lord, you know I do." Jesus saying, "Feed my sheep." You know that was that was the message to uh, to the next uh, and first leader of the church. So, I believe that you know for leaders, their first flock is their employees, and if their employees are effectively being shepherded, the ministry will grow because because more people will be effectively doing the work of the ministry. So. And the other thing is, you know, I've seen, and it just hurts me every time to see a, a, a toxic workplace environment and where people's relationships are broken, uh, where, where they're literally, you know, at each other's throats. And, and, you know, then I come back to, you know, Jesus said, you'll know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. And I, you know, I believe that that, that when, 
when a, a, a team of employees love one another, it's obvious to, to others and they're drawn to it. So they're drawn to, to the organization. They're drawn to, to Christ himself. Uh, uh, those are, those are things that, that, uh, I think leaders should be, uh, uh, concerned about and caring about when it comes to having a, a healthy, even flourishing workplace. And so that's kind of the beginning. I love it. Well, there's so much you just <laughs> shared there. Uh, a lot of rich, uh, mm-hmm. rich commentary, uh, Al, and I appreciate you speaking from the heart. I'm right there with you. And I think <laughs> this is another way of saying what you just said, right? Which is the organizations we serve, you know, a lot of folks that are listening to this sure. podcast are within Christian ministries yeah. and churches. I mean, they really should be the yeah, best yeah. Uh, workplaces out there, isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, we we should be trying to reflect creation, and what is creation? It's excellent. God created excellence in creation, and uh, I think we should be excellent financially. We should be excellent in the way we uh, lead people. Absolutely, I think that's a that's a, uh, a foundational point. Yeah, I love what you said too. Just that passage from. First Peter, right? Yeah, First Peter that, five two. Yeah. yeah, that you shared. Um, aren't we grateful that Jesus didn't give up on his disciples? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that he watched over them willingly. Yeah. I mean, it could it could have been, uh, yeah, mm. uh, grudgingly or, or yeah. giving up, but he was willing to invest, and I think that's a good word for all of us. Yeah. Good. Well, hey, uh, let's just unpack to this idea of flourishing. <laughs> Uh, you know, how would you define that, Al? How would you define a flourishing workplace culture? And are, are there certain things that you've seen, you know, in your experience over the years that are sort of the non-negotiables, if you will? Yeah, Michael, you know, we we would define flourishing as a workplace where employees are fully engaged. You know, they're engaged in their work. They work, uh, you know, with, and, and the way we define engaged, let me just say that, is that they're working with passion. They feel a profound connection to their mission. They, they drive innovation. They move the organization forward. I mean, that's that's when uh, when things are really flourishing. Uh, you know, we really work with the science of employee engagement, and there is a, a statistical science underneath uh, engagement. And and what we're trying to really, you know, we believe flourishing is when people bring energy to their jobs. There's a, they bring enthusiasm and they bring passion and commitment. And and we. We believe and and we do measure these things. So so that's uh, that's the baseline. But and and we've surveyed hundreds of thousands of employees in Christian workplaces, and through statistical analysis, we found there are eight keys to boost employee engagement and well-being. And we've created the acronym uh, Flourish and the Flourish model as uh, what those eight keys from from you know fantastic teams to life-giving work to Outstanding talent. I mean, we go through each of the eight, and they, they spell flourish. And I, as we were understanding this from the statistical outcome of the the factors and the way uh, the way these questions that we ask were grouped together, uh, we thought, well, there needs to be an acronym somewhere, you know, so it will preach. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's how we came yeah. up with flourish. Now it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't something I created or anybody created. It was the statistical uh, analysis that brought these eight factors out. But yeah, those are some of the keys. Again, don't we all as leaders, we want our employees to come to work with energy, enthusiasm, passion, commitment, to bring their whole selves to work because if if they're holding back, then, you know, then we're not, uh, they're not uh, 
in a position where they can give their best and to actually experience the joy that we think that uh, that Christian workers should experience in serving uh, serving Christ in their work. Oh, that's super helpful. That's a great great uh, way to remember some of those key mm-hmm. elements. You mentioned eight of them. For those of uh, our listeners, I guess, who are also viewing, watching on on YouTube, I'm going to hold it up here. This is the road to flourishing. Yeah. Let's make sure yeah. I get it in the right place here. Yeah, those eight keys and uh, uh, just kind of walk. Uh, oh, there you uh, go, and you've got yours too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, w- I was ready to, to, to proudly show that off, Al, yeah. but I think one is uh, it's the I that I wanted to dive yep. into next, right? Which is that's the inspirational mm-hmm. leadership, which is one of those keys. And you know, in the book, Al, to Psalm seventy-eight, seventy-two, and I love how this is just all based in mm-hmm. God's word right. and truth, um, where it says David shepherded shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands he led them. And I love how, Al, you talk about the importance to to kind of take away from that, that it's both character and competence that are the underlying ingredients to inspirational leadership. Can you tell us a little bit more insights in that area? Yeah, Michael, I, I, I love this verse, and I appreciate you uh, calling that out. You know, integrity of heart, skillful hands, two key criteria for selecting great people and having great people on your team to accomplish the work that uh, that your organization's been called to do. And many times mm-hmm. uh, people will say, oh, I'm willing to sacrifice the character piece just to get somebody in the job that's competent. We need to get this job done. And and gosh, we're having a hard time finding finding somebody and the job needs to get done. And there's a lot of pressure to do that. And and so we'll sacrifice on the character. We might not even, you know, check references, which uh, is just yes. a, a huge problem. And, and I'll say, that's a huge mistake, hiring somebody for competence without character. Because, you know, leaders in Christian workplaces understand we can teach skills. We can teach competence. But uh, it's really hard to see a person's character change. And uh, also, so I'll just say character comes first. Uh, hire, uh, select, and retain based on, on character. And... Um, so we also, I'll just say, so there's character, there's competence, but also chemistry and the way a person fits in the culture is important. So those are three keys, character, competence, and chem- chemistry. But as I, as I look at your question again of inspirational leadership, so we ask several questions on, and I often will say Christian character. So, so leaders need to not only have high levels of trust, which comes through a f- through integrity. So we've got integrity, and then we also want leaders who exhibit the characters of uh, of Christ with integrity and compassion. Is another one of the things that we survey and look for <laughs> in inspirational leadership. So, so uh, you know, leaders. Uh, another question that we oftentimes will ask in Christian organizations: leaders, um, or yeah, leaders put the organization first, not themselves, uh, as well in uh, uh, in the work that they do. So, yeah, inspirational leadership. And another thing, you know, of the eight factors, we've done a statistical analysis on the relative weights uh, of these eight. You know, how important is inspirational leadership versus uh, rewarding compensation? Well, 
inspirational leadership almost in every sector is the number one most important thing to creating uh, engaged employees in a, in a flourishing workplace. So, so yeah, uh, character, competence, uh, really key and, and a part of, uh, of, of, the, of the eight factors. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah I mean, we hear it, hear it said all the time that that tone that's set mm -hmm. by leadership, yeah. I mean, so critical, yeah. right, in terms of what happens throughout the organization. And, and, you know, there's also practices, uh, again, and I think it's all about shepherding. So, so I think about shepherding a flock, and, and what, when you're shepherding a flock, uh, you have to be paying attention to the sheep. And, you know, transitioning now from, uh, from you know, uh, actually shepherding a, a sheep to actually shepherding people, uh, I believe that a key aspect is, uh, well, how do you know if uh, if those that you're shepherding are are in good health or not? Well, asking them uh, how they can be even more effective, asking them how their experience is, asking them actually how the organization can improve. So actually, you know, that healthy communication is, is kind of goes along with inspirational leadership where people feel like they're they're being heard that you're you're seeking their suggestions you're acting on those suggestions that's really also a key part of creating a, a flourishing workplace so yeah um, uh, Christian character healthy communication those are two really important keys uh, in uh, uh, to create a healthy workplace yeah I couldn't agree more and it's a little bit of a digression, but I think you'll forgive me <laughs> because we've had some of these conversations too. So Al, you were just talking about the importance of the leader mm -hmm. acting as shepherd, mm -hmm. you know, over the organization. And, and that is, it's being watchful, it's mm -hmm. providing care, being, you know, what are the practical supports, you know, that can be provided. Mm -hmm. What would you say too, in terms of the board's relationship with a leader in terms of helping shepherd, because in a sense, I mean, there needs to be that same type of, uh, or maybe not exactly the same, but a similar type of support that the leader is experiencing as well in being shepherded. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a very interesting question. Yeah. So how 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 does that work from a board's perspective? And and you know, one of the things we find in uh, in our work is that. People have higher levels of engagement when they know exactly what their what their job responsibilities are, and so I like the idea of, of a board as able to support the the CEO or the executive director by being clear on their responsibilities. That way, they they can support them, uh, love them truly, and be clear about you know what uh, what the responsibilities are. So having a a good uh, board policy manual. I like uh, several organizations will say, okay, so we want uh, we want to know that there's a healthy workplace environment, and and we'd like you to actually survey your employees and know that you're actually listening to feedback and getting feedback, uh, and and caring for for your team. So so uh, you know the the board has got to, in my mind, be very uh, uh, supportive. You know caring and clear on what uh, what responsibilities are and then you know support them in 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 that process 
No, that, that's exactly right. And then kind of taking us back to where I think you were leaving off to just on that point about competence mm-hmm. and, and character. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know what it says about the the sort of the human condition, <laughs> but it seems like we're always looking at, I mean, competence is just what mm-hmm. people seem to be drawn to, excited about, talk about. Um, yeah. How would you coach organizations along in terms of how can we be better about prioritizing the importance of character as well? Yeah, how do we prioritize character? Well, first of all, I think uh, for organizations and as as they define um, who they're hiring and what the things what what you're looking for in the hiring process is to to make sure that uh, character is in in the mix. And oftentimes, uh, as organizations are interviewing candidates, they'll have different people who actually are. Uh, asking different kinds of questions. So they're not, that you know, of course, many organizations will have many people interview a candidate and without much direction, all the, all the people are interviewing using the same questions. Well, you, you don't learn as much as if you're beginning to have some people really hone in on, on character questions and others on competence questions and others on, on uh, chemistry questions, for example. So so again, uh, having good processes in place, you know, where you're asking employees behaviorally oriented questions about, well, in the past, when you came into this kind of a situation, how did you handle it? You know, uh, and then you define character kinds of issues. Uh, if you found that, uh, um, you know, somebody was uh, cheating in one way or another, how did you handle that? Or when you personally found... Uh, yourself in this kind of a situation or that, how did you handle it? So, so you know, getting at some of the character questions uh, in interviewing processes is important. But but then having, uh, I'll say another key aspect in, uh, around defining the culture of an organization, which includes character, is having clear employee values. You know, how are we going to treat one another? And, you know, how do we all agree that this is the this is the culture that we want based on these values. Uh, uh, excellence might be a, a, a value, and have, you know it's defined a lot of different ways for a lot of different uh, organizations. But but again, defining what that means, uh, relationships. Uh, you know that's a best Christian workplace uh, value where we where we honor relationships, and when people. Uh, lie and cheat or take shortcuts, that's not honoring relationships and, and trust is broken, which kind of gets to a, a part of maybe our future discussion here and such a key important aspect from a financial standpoint. So so those, yeah, uh, uh, really focusing on bringing in people of high character, setting up a culture where high character is, is kind of expected and that you want... Um, um, employees to all uh, be helping each other to maintain high levels of excellence and uh, really high levels of character. Uh, that's brilliant. And I think anybody uh, who's listening, who really took time to absorb what you just said, which is setting a high bar, <laughs> you know, especially right on the front end, um, paying more focus on 
character, uh, the necessarily competence, knowing some of those things can be trained. I mean, Al, you just saved folks hundreds of hours <laughs> in terms of their time, uh, probably thousands of dollars in terms of, um, you know, potential uh, misses in terms of hiring uh, and so forth. So anyway, uh, that is some great wisdom uh, that you just shared. It's also one of the questions that we ask under fantastic teams because, uh, again, when when we're on a team and we encourage excellence on our teams, uh, we're going to see uh, you know people perform with higher levels of uh, of performance, but also maintain high levels of character in the process. So I think there's a real tie between excellence and character in in the workplace and within teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, you know, I'd love to kind of take a turn here too in our conversations. And again, this is the behind the seal podcast. We're going behind behind the scenes of uh, Al Lopez here. And I'm not going to ask you to name any names or anything like that. But you you do have the benefit of just in all your work uh, through Best Christian Workplaces. You know, I know, I know, I'm sure you've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. Hopefully when ECFA, we took your assessment, we weren't the bad and no, the no, ugly, no. but, but you know, you've seen it, you've seen it out there and, uh, in, in your work with different organizations. So I'm curious, uh, specifically around this area of healthy leadership and, and leadership integrity, you know, what implications have you seen, uh, especially on that issue for maybe even some of those bad or the, the, the ugly examples when leadership integrity is lacking, what is the impact? You know, uh, when I first started the Best Christian Workplaces, uh, and then we asked the question of Christian workplaces, uh, there's a high level of trust between uh, employee uh, between leaders and employees. That's one of our questions, and you answer on a disagree to strongly agree basis. And uh, that question got lower scores amongst Christian organizations than secular ones. So wow. in Christian organizations, there, were, there was less trust between employees and uh, the leadership than in secular organizations. And it's like, of course, the, the next question is, well, why is that? It shouldn't be that way. I mean, none of us would say that it should be that way. And, and it gets down to uh, integrity from my perspective. Uh, uh, of course, I believe that employees in Christian workplaces uh, have higher expectations of their leaders than they might, especially around behavior, than they would see in a secular workplace. I mean, I, I worked uh, before starting Best Christian Workplaces in the secular workplace for, you know, probably 30 years and uh, at least 25. And, and you know, I, I always kind of knew that I'd, I'd have some good ones, I'd have some bad ones, and, you know, I didn't have always high expectations for Christ-like behavior in my leaders in the in the secular workplace. Um, but then it comes down to integrity, Michael, is in uh, in trust, and of course the two go together. Uh, integrity, I think of as people saying one thing and doing another, and and that's the hard part in Christian leadership is you know, we'll we'll say one thing, yeah, that's true in leadership altogether, but we'll say one thing and then we'll do another. We'll we'll ask people to do something that we wouldn't even be willing to do ourselves, and and that's that's uh, that is. That's where trust is is broken, and when trust is broken between leaders and staff, uh, 
it really just puts a damper on the impact of the organization. It puts a damper on the, the feeling in the office, and uh, uh, it can really uh, go downhill pretty fast. And if there is an accountability uh, in, the, in the process, and nobody, you know, the board doesn't know, you know, leaders just get used to, well, that's so-and-so, and, you know, he or she is uh, just that way, and there's no changing it, and, and, and things continue to just uh, step down, uh, and you get into that negative cycle. That's, 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 you know, gets to be pretty depressing and toxic, uh, even from our perspective. So, Trust, integrity, uh, doing one thing, uh, saying one thing and doing another is uh, is is at the core. And again, accountability is uh, uh, where it should stop. But oftentimes, that's the the weak link. Sure. Yeah. No, that's right. I think a lot of what you described, Al, is sort of a ripple effect mm-hmm. or like a domino effect, mm-hmm. where you've got again the you know the integrity of the leader and the health of the leader, and then. If that's a miss, well, then that kind of, you know, takes a hit on the the organization, the workplace culture. And then I think of the ultimate end, Al, and that is organizations and their mission effectiveness. Right. You know, that's sort of the, the, the furthest layer out of it really compromises the ability mm-hmm. of these organizations to help faithfully carry out their missions. Absolutely. I mean, I think of the, you know, if there's a healthy... In a flourishing workplace culture, where where people are, where there's high levels of trust, where there's high levels of integrity, there's inspirational leadership, uh, there's healthy communication, there's you know uh, outstanding talent. We're going to see we're going to see an organization that uh, has people that are highly capable in in the work they're doing, and they stick around long enough to become highly capable. So that's a retention. Factor and when that's the case, then they're able to actually achieve the the work that the the organization has set out to achieve. And so, you know, I think of a, in many cases it's a customer. So the customer experiences the work, uh, or a or a congregate or a, you know whoever it is that's receiving the work of the organization. They they ex- have a great experience. Uh, they're uh, they become satisfied and then over time loyal. It's also true with donors. You know, donors will see uh, the work that's being done, and they become really satisfied with uh, the work that's being done. They become loyal over time, and when you've got more and more loyal donors, more and more loyal uh, receivers of the work that the organization does, then then you see growth and effectiveness and impact uh, over time. So, so there's a real value chain that we see. Uh, between flourishing workplaces and the work that an organization does, and it's because of the way that they're working together. And you know, it's a, uh, when people work together. As a, uh, it's a psalm: when people work together, God blesses their work. That's uh, yeah. yeah. Good. No, that's that's exactly right too. And I wonder, Al, if you can think of, and again, without without naming any names or anything like that, but. I think of, I'm sure you've probably been brought into situations before in an organization where, let's say, unfortunately, they're just coming on on the heels of, of some kind of an integrity, yeah. a failure or a fall of a leader, and, and, and you've seen maybe a certain survey result mm-hmm. uh, within within the best Christian workplaces, or you get a, an initial baseline of, mm-hmm. of where the culture's at. 
Um, can you talk about just what you've seen in terms of when when the integrity and leadership is is restored um, over time? You know what it what does it look like for for that culture to be able to be built back up? Yeah. Um, is there is there an example or some general principles that you can speak to? Yeah, I think uh, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, been doing this for 20 years, Michael. So, uh, yeah, uh, there have been some key places where we've seen um, an organization you know, where a leader has fallen. And uh, we've seen situations where it, they've hardly ever recovered. And that's Oops. disappointing and uh, and hurtful. But, but many cases, you know, we're able to to see that you know there's a fresh start, they put in the foundations you know of of culture. They begin to build trust over time. Again, that's a that's a key point. Uh, you know, there's uh, you know there's a book um, about trust, and and even if there isn't a moral failure, but just a a leader isn't able to uh, lead over time. How do they turn something around and? And they can, uh, and they can uh, put uh, and begin to work, work together with the team with a clear plan that's clearly communicated and say, we're going to do these things and let's do it together and we're going to change, maybe even apologize uh, for some some past uh, behaviors and then, uh, and then move forward. And uh, we've seen that uh, happen over and over and over again. So that's that's encouraging, again, to, to see... You know, when people begin to follow the eight keys to to a flourishing workplace and use the use um, you know that as a criteria for an organization moving forward, we see uh, uh, restoration, reconciliation, and we see uh, just a, a return, if not a exceeding ministry impact uh, as a result. Yeah, yeah, we think. Thank God for his grace, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. in those situations, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, I'd, I'd love to for you to uh, just sort of draw on these years of experience and maybe envision in your mind, Al, I'm sure there's been some real standout, you know, healthy leaders mm -hmm. that you you think of that have invited maybe even best Christian workplaces in to, to do a level of work within the organizations mm -hmm. that they've served as you think on just some of those those really healthy leaders that you've come across over the years. Are there any, you know, common themes? Are there takeaways that we can all, um, you know, kind of apply within our own context for supporting healthy leadership? Is there anything that really stands out to you? There are uh, a number of things, and and I've really, I mean, we've worked with uh, fifteen hundred different Christian organizations. We've run into a lot of great leaders, and uh, I just my hats off to them. And there are people that uh, they have, they have inspiration, they have vision. They they, they aren't necessarily uh, charismatic, uh, and that's not our criteria. But but they they build trust. They they have integrity. They they have the characteristics of of Jesus, as I said before, including uh, uh, compassion. Humility is a is a big issue. And they they're able to organize their team to get the results uh, that the organization uh, hopes to achieve. Again and again, a way a leader builds trust is uh, he's able to or she's able to pull the team together to have them work together in an effective way to accomplish something 
to move uh, to move a group of people from here to there effectively. And when they're able to do that, that that builds trust, and people will will align with the direction of the organization. They will uh, and they'll often bring innovation because. Uh, of that high level of trust. And because, again, because the leader is asking for their input, they're acting on their input, they're engaging people, and and as they're able to organize that going forward, they really make a progress, and, and it, it proves that they're effective over time. And so um, when, when a leader puts others first, the way Jesus uh, uh, describes it, we should, uh, we see, you know, positive impact in, uh, in organizations. You know, one of the one of, and how how does a leader? One of the things that we see of these leaders is le- leaders are learners. You know, they they really are um, uh, learning about themselves. They have high levels of self awareness, and uh, and they're continually getting feedback about okay, so how are people experiencing my leadership, and how can that improve? And and uh, so I love. Ken Blanchard and Lead Like Jesus says servant leaders, the first thing they do is they ask for feedback because without feedback, uh, they don't mm-hmm. really know if they're, they're accomplishing what they're supposed to be doing. And, and you know, this is where, I, again, I've seen over and over uh, leaders are resistant to feedback in many cases. They don't really want to know. And when that's the case, then, then we see them kind of begin to shrivel and... Uh, and lose their effectiveness uh, and leadership. So, yeah, uh, healthy leaders are learners. Healthy leaders focus on servant leadership, and uh, servant leaders ask for feedback. That's, uh, you know, and I know, at, at, it just to use you as an example, Michael, the way you take uh, your employee survey feedback and act on mm-hmm. it as uh, individually and as an organization, I've just seen too many leaders, and I'll just say this is, this is the bad example. Too many leaders will take that feedback. They will they will um, put it in the bottom shelf, in the bottom drawer in their desk, and it, and it won't see the light of day. And you've just hurt the organization more by doing that than anything wow. else, uh, because you've asked for input and you've you've shelved it, and because you perhaps didn't like the feedback, and 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 there would be lots of a lot of kernels of of helpful information that would improve that leader's uh, effectiveness uh, in the process. So, uh, again, I just can't say enough how important it is for healthy leaders, servant leaders, to to look for feedback and to actually see how their leadership is impacting those that they serve. And that yeah, I sure wish you didn't. <laughs> I, I could see how you've experienced that in your work over the years, but I hate to say that you know, that you have, cause that, that'd be a real miss. Um, yeah. you know, it'd be, it'd be a real miss. And I appreciate too, uh, Al, what you were sharing, just, um, I think it just around, around healthy leadership and some of those qualities and servant leadership, mm-hmm. I think you hit on mm-hmm. really a lot of fundamentals, which as I'm thinking about, you know, many of the, the folks who are listening, in leadership roles, I think you actually gave a gift too, which is you took some pressure off right. because I think you heard, you know, I heard you say, well, you, you don't have to be charismatic. Right. You don't have to have all the answers. Right. You don't have to be perfect. And I think that that is one of the, the pressures that 
leaders often face is they feel like, well, I've got to have it all together. I've got to be, you know, all things to all people. And uh, what you're saying is it really comes down to some real fundamentals, some basics, uh, some basics around character and competence. Yeah, and, and self-awareness and, and emotional intelligence maybe is another term in that. And again, uh, you know, for a leader to say, I don't really know what we should do, but let's work together to figure it out. Yeah. You know, that that's going to draw people to the leader. It's not going to push them away. I mean, uh, leaders oftentimes have this perspective. I've got to be stoic. I've got to, um, I've got to show, I've got leadership presence and I know where we're going all the time. Well, you know, that, that leader is hiding behind a shell and, uh, it will be discovered, uh, one way or another and, and fall and they'll fall short. Uh, but, uh, yeah, using a good emotional intelligence to understand, you know, if we're, you know, again, in this day, we hear a lot about authentic leaders and, um, now, I don't know of any leader, and I've known a lot of them, I don't know of any leader that knows exactly what to do in every situation. And uh, and to be authentic, just to say, well, I'm not sure exactly what we're what we need to do here, but let's let's discover that together and let's move together to uh, to move in the right direction once we understand, once we've discerned it and discover it as a as a group of uh, of believers, and I think those are kinds of characteristics that people are really looking for, and those are the kind of leaders that people will follow. Amen. Amen to everything you just said. I think you just uh, provided some great coaching there uh, to to all of us who are learning from from what you've seen and heard. And I wanted to also unpack, kind of pick back up on something else that you said. Uh, too, which is, it is probably a reality in, in a lot of the work that, that you would face. And I think this is probably part of human nature and the human condition. But uh, imagine there are some leaders that are out there that would be a little anxious, I guess, about opening themselves up to this kind of uh, candid feedback, constructive feedback from from employees, from their team members. Now, what would you say? What what would you say to someone who's sort of struggling with that and saying, "Man, you know," and maybe they even think, "If we could do something like the best Christian workplaces, I'm sure that would be so valuable." But I'm just a little nervous about it. <laughs> what what would well, you say? Well, I don't know about you, Michael. Every time my team uh, has done the best Christian workplace surveys, I'm a little nervous about it. <laughs> So, yeah, sure, so, sure. Yeah, I mean, yep. uh, what are they going to say? Uh, do you, you know, you don't really know until actually you get the feedback. So, so uh, yeah, every leader out there, I'm going to say, yes, you're going to be a little nervous asking your employees to give feedback on, again, a, it's a stru- structured questionnaire. It's These are positively worded questions. You know, we're not inviting, uh, we're not inviting, you know, a lot of negativity by any stretch. We're asking about the, the future and the way uh, people experience uh, the leadership and the culture of the organization. So, 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 yeah. First of all, I'd say, yeah, you're going to be a little nervous. Um, that's probably a good thing. If you're not, then then uh, that might be another story. But second, secondly, uh, I'd say also I'm, I'm, for I'm, leaders, um, right. we've seen a lot of leaders who allow themselves to be hurt by the data. And again, it's data, 
and people uh, will say some things, and and so I'm going to say, leaders guard your hearts. Uh, nice. You know, there's a lot of scripture. Leaders, you know, people guard your hearts, but but uh, take it as feedback and take it as oh, um, people are experiencing it this way, and that's not the way I want to actually have it uh, be so. So uh, you know, guard your hearts, but then then move forward. You know, recognize, communicate. This is what uh, what people are saying, and and again, I think it's a leader's one of their primary jobs is to understand reality and communicate reality to the team of where they are. You know, I've had a lot of organizations, a lot of leaders over the past say, "Okay, so so we're going to communicate the results to our employees," and and. But what we're going to do is we're going to communicate the good results, and we're not going to mention any of the of the weaknesses. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> and yeah, and you know, and and then then you know they say to themselves, and we're not going to communicate the weaknesses because you know, you know, what would they think? And yes. it's like, well, they already know. That's what they already yeah, think. That's, that's they already know. <laughs> They're the ones that yeah. you know have given the the feedback. So so you're you're just fooling yourself as a leader if uh, if you think you can just you know put a put a bright light on 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 the current situation and kind of uh, overlook uh, the opportunities for improvement. So so yeah, that's uh, those are some of the experiences uh, uh, that we've had. But again, it's. It's when the leaders will say, "This is the truth." Uh, now let's work together yeah. to to create a uh, a better truth, you know, a new reality uh, in an environment. And and by communicating, understanding, you know, letting the letting your team know you understand uh, where things are, and then together you can move forward. That's that's. That's what I see over and over and over again. I, I, I'm just thinking of a, of a, uh, of a pastor who uh, brought me in. Uh, he had been a long-term pastor. It had some turnover in the church, and you know, probably 70 employees in this organization. And they, they, they had a toxic environment, and he, right. he could feel it. He didn't understand and know exactly what created it. But he could feel it, and so there I was. He asked me to come in and say, "I want you to objectively communicate to all of our staff uh, where we stand." And it was hard. It was hard for me to say it, but but he was sitting right there. And then he stood up afterwards. He said, "This humbles me. I'm responsible, and we're going to work together to change that." And that that organ and in the next two to three years. That culture was different. The church was was effective. I like to say the health of the church staff today is the health of the congregation tomorrow, or the health of you know our our staff today is the health of of our ministry tomorrow. And uh, and and it was through that uh, that humility that that leader was able to say, "This is reality." You know, I've had a third party communicate to you what it is. I've heard it, and we're going to change it. And and that created momentum and enthusiasm and and uh, uh, the strength to move forward. Love that story. Uh, and I'm so glad that you brought yeah. out the humility aspect. Yeah. Humility it led to health. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then just so many, so many positive benefits mm -hmm. uh, that would come. So, Al, that's a that's a great way to uh, say just as we come to our close uh, in our time here. That's that's a great story. And but I do want to give you too just an an opportunity to speak to leaders who are listening to just as you survey the landscape and, and and you're well aware of you know not just all the the victories that we're seeing mm -hmm. in the kingdom but also some of the challenges um is there a, a closing thought or a charge that you have for for those who are listening particularly just on this topic about the importance of how healthy healthy leaders uh can contribute to a healthy flourishing workplace culture yeah michael you know uh, a lot of things come to mind but uh, i'm just thinking on uh Again, they'll know they're Christians by our love, and you know so much in our culture. It's actually the Christians who are being uh, accused of being haters, and and so how do we combat that? Well, it's got to be the way we love one another, and the way that starts with the teams uh, that we're working in, uh, in our, with our staff, and that will just permeate uh, out and ripples uh, from from. Our staff to those that we work with, the, our 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 ministries and the impact of the people in the ministry and the impact that they have on others, it's just going to ripple out that way. So, so how do we love one another? Well, uh, I'd just say to leaders, you know, yeah, understand what it means to be an inspirational leadership or an ins inspirational leader, and and ask for feedback. I guess that would be uh, that would be kind of my bottom line is. Uh, ask for feedback, you know, have the emotional maturity to take that feedback, to communicate reality where you are, and then create a plan to move forward. We, we think of uh, discovery as step one, uh, uh, building as step two, and then uh, uh, flourishing as step three as we uh, go through the process of, of actually creating a flourishing workplace culture. So good. Uh, well, hey, I appreciate it so much as always uh i've taken a lot away from our time together i know all those who are listening will do the same so again we just we thank you so much thank you for uh your own inspirational leadership mm -hmm. and uh, all you that you do through uh best christian workplaces it's exciting to see it continue to thrive and, and even now with we didn't even have time to talk about the the recent leadership yeah. transition there and, and kind of the work you're doing even now with mentoring uh, Jay and the rest of the team, but we just continue to uh, cheer you on and appreciate all of your great work and uh, your partnership as well. It means so much. Yeah, thanks, Michael. And uh, again, uh, I appreciate this very much. And thanks for the work that you do at ECFA. Thank you. Till next time. I have a question for you. Is your church or organization's culture flourishing? Well, how would you know that if you haven't ever participated in the Best Christian Workplace Institute survey? I encourage you to do that for your staff if you haven't. Here at ECFA, we annually participate in that survey, and it has always been such a blessing for our top leaders to see and hear the pulse of what all the staff thinks and feels about where we're at as an organization. We're thrilled and honestly humbled here at ECFA to have a thriving culture based on the results of the surveys over the years. But it's something that we knew, we thought we had, but to be actually get the data from all the staff and to confirm what everyone was feeling, what everyone was thinking, it just 
makes the bond of our organization even closer. In all honesty, I feel that. We encourage you guys to share this episode, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to subscribe if you haven't. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good week.